Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always. And with me today, we're the full house. We've got Brandon Stevens here. Brandon, say hello to the people. What's up, people? What's up, Jay? What's up? Ricardo, say hello to the people, man. Hey, everybody. How's it going today? It's, yeah, I hope it's going well. This is good. This is good. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, we still have um, late fall weather here in the Pacific Northwest. It's uh, it's terrible. I'm going to be honest. It's absolutely freaking terrible. But we're going to look at the brighter side of things, guys. We're trying to find a cure for paralysis. That's what this podcast is all about. Uh, trying to shine a light on spinal cord injury research, on people living with spinal cord injuries who are doing incredible things, uh, like so many of us are. Um, if you could rate, review, like, share, uh, listen, all that good stuff to the podcast, we would appreciate it. Uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms from iTunes to TuneIn, to Spotify, everything in between. So, guys, how you doing? Doing fantastic. It's a wonderful June-vember day. June-vember. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, I'm not going to complain. Uh, I, could, I could use some sunshine, but what are we going to do? Right. Where we're well, at. We've had a couple days like kind of sprinkled in. I, I thought mean, t- today was supposed to be kind of sunny. As long it's not raining really, so I'm I'm it's just been kind of yeah. windy. It's whatever, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it could it, if it was like a hundred, you'd be complaining too. I just keep I would not, but <laughs> yeah. I keep seeing. Yeah, uh, you would. <laughs> I keep seeing flashbacks on like Instagram and Facebook from a year ago when it was like oh. A uh, year ago today, it was you know, 80 degrees, but now we're freezing. I know. We'd already be pre- pre- preparing for, like, um, the wildfires, and then yeah. it just gets smoky. And so, I don't know. It's If it was yeah, just I mean, a I nice 82 like, to 85, yeah, that'd be good. If Yeah, if all the rain protects us from all the smoke in uh, August, yeah. that would be good. That'd be nice. Uh, fires are no fun. So, um, anyway... So this is uh, today's guest, guys, um, not to like get into it too quickly, but Dustin Meza is our guest. He's known as the Paralysis Assassin on uh, Instagram and YouTube and everything else. Uh, and he, we were supposed to record this podcast before the Jesse Strawham podcast that we put out last week, which thank her again. She's amazing. That was a great, great conversation. Um, but uh, Dustin ended up getting getting uh, COVID and couldn't record. So he was out for, um, you know, a week or two and, and we were able to get, get back to it this week. And, and I thought had a great conversation. And speaking of weather, he's like, he's in Hawaii. Mm. You can hear the birds chirping oh, in the yeah. background of yeah. the, uh, of the podcast. Like the sun was shining in on him. It was a beautiful scene behind him and in, in Hawaii. And I was just, and I was like, literally had a, a down vest on and a hoodie. Cause it was so cold here so Man. um yeah you know, well, hawaii's out to nice Dustin. shout out to uh hawaii. it rains it rains a lot in hawaii it does man but then it's sunny like an hour later and, yeah. and, and it's, it's a like little 85 yeah, degrees it's, it's much warmer for sure the other day sorry to keep hounding on the weather it was warmer in anchorage alaska the other day than it was in, in alaska is beautiful oh, i believe it i agree but i'm just saying man like what that what is going on yeah you're right when you think of alaska crazy. you think it's like cold and snowy and crazy i like to think of this weather as weather karma 
weather karma yeah, for, for all the nice weather we usually get this time of year. It, the thing is, is that they're making sure that we, because we really do believe in climate change, that we're getting the water we need while yeah. the rest of the planet's on fire. There you go. That's yeah, true. So. That's true. Yeah, I mean, eventually, um, like I said, I, I just, I'm not, I, I don't particularly care for rain for this long, yeah. but... But you're waterproof. Right. Yeah, and I mean, also, I just think that um, I'd rather be not sweltering in the desert. Yeah. That if I had to prefer. I but. just need ten more degrees is all. Like, if it could be seventy-two instead of sixty-two. <laughs> I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway, um, enough weather talk for this for one podcast. Yeah, you can tune into your local news <laughs> channel later. Yeah, I did want to just give out a couple quick, like, acknowledgements, I guess. Like, uh, I saw, right before we started recording this, like an hour ago, I saw Jesse Strawham went live on Instagram, so I clicked on there to see what was going on, and she's, like, in tears, and somebody had gotten in a car, or a motorcycle accident i think like right in front of her very similar to like what happened when she was injured and she was just in like very very upset and just like asking for prayers for the gentleman that got you know thrown off his motorcycle so definitely want to acknowledge that hope that guy's okay yeah i mean it was probably it was also probably kind of triggering and probably some ptsd yeah ptsd yeah yeah Yeah, i couldn't even imagine she's like didn't get injured that long ago so yeah um yeah that's that's terrible hopefully that it's just one of those things you don't really i mean any any nightmare you might have lived through anything that could trigger that memory or Mm -hmm. you know if you're just envisioning someone else going through that trauma um that could be hard yeah for for people yeah yeah, the other thing is that um, our, our guy, Art Renowitzki's father, passed away last week. I definitely want to you know, send our thoughts and condolences out to him. I know that that's never an easy thing. No. Nope. Um, so, you know, I know we've all lost our fathers here. So it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to deal with, man. It doesn't, you know, they always say, oh, it'll get easier with time. And I guess it kind of does. But, um, you know, it's definitely, a, it leaves a hole for sure. So. Um, yeah, I thought our thoughts are definitely with art, but uh, yeah, let's so yeah, um, let's move forward a little bit because that's what <laughs> Dustin does, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dustin's uh, yeah, and Dustin's incredible, man. I mean, he's I was I, just following him on Instagram and and checking out his YouTube pages. Um, you know, he's just an inspirational guy. He's like very thoughtful. His energy is just like kind of unlike anything I've ever experienced at least on the podcast like the way he's he's very zen maybe i don't know what you would call it but he he's uh it's interesting and he's he's been trained in uh like martial arts and yoga and things like that so i think it kind of puts his mindset in a different place than well you know some of the things that he talked about um was like the breath right like take a breath and i mean you hear that all the time that expression right but where does that come from right and he actually uses it i'm not going to give too much away but here but he actually uses that to heal himself right and you know i've seen you know where kids are panicked or your spouse is panicking you just say hey now take a breath right settle down it's not that bad you know and i think he uses that breathing and i've seen breathing techniques where you know people that are um, uh, athletes learn to breathe correctly right 
and learn to use that. But he uses that energy from that breath to heal himself, which is really pretty right. amazing, right? You know, it's yeah. it's funny. I have that the arrow fit that we've talked about on here before, the little device that yeah. I still have not been able to get anybody on. I don't know. They had some, some turnover at the company or something, so I haven't been able to get anybody on from there yet. But um, I noticed that when I do that, like it – depending on what like the breathing exercise that the app gives you it, it's very yeah it like either calms me down or kind of like or gets my heart rate going like depending on what like your breath is so important in yeah. that respect you know yeah. it can it can do a lot of things because yeah you can hyperventilate and be like freaked out or you can like really mellow it down and and kind of deal with what's happening around you or something you know yeah and, and there's a couple other things that were really interesting that he had a couple of your other guests um i think it was angela rockwood had a premonition of her injury right right and just like dustin did and um you know dustin similar... almost asked like i mean he says he inadvertently asked for his injury you well, know more than more even than that's just a, a peculiar that's a but i think you can do that revelation. i think you can do that i think like if you've I don't think he intentionally focused like on negative things, but you know how everybody always says, you know, think of the positive, you know, the positive, yeah. you know, thinking, uh, uh, you know, positive thinking, how it helps you move through life, right? Or envisioning where you want to be and the mindfulness in day-to-day life. And I think he just um, saw something coming and inadvertently it happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, uh... yeah. Yeah, that that was. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear that. I want to hear what people's reactions are to it because that was pretty pretty mind blowing. Yeah. That, uh, that he you know basically feels like he he yeah asked for it or or had a premonition of it and and yeah that's it just is super interesting. Uh, yeah, it's just um, one moment that changes your life, and it's crazy to think that you know. Uh, one second before that you're just climbing up a tree and then you know next season moment you're waking yeah. up just completely yeah well i really enjoyed it because underneath the things he was talking about reminded me of the butterfly effect right hmm. you know a butterfly in mexico flaps its wings and then it creates a hurricane in the gulf and you hmm. know the consequences how everything that we do is all interrelated right yeah, like your every and, every action has yeah an equal on the outside we usually reaction. think about the outside but he focuses on the inner relationships on the inside right, right. which was really really interesting so I, like i said i don't want to give too much away but it was really good yeah we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it on the other side after everybody hears it and uh yeah oh you guys enjoy this i thought it was great thank you again to dustin Meza for for joining me on the podcast and uh We'll talk to you guys on the other side. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, I am super excited to visit with Dustin Meza. Uh, Dustin is a spinal cord injury survivor. Uh, He is the paralysis assassin, and uh, he is the spiritual cord in journey program developer. Uh, Dustin, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me. Appreciate it. So, hey, for anybody that doesn't already know your story or hasn't, isn't following you on social media, how were you injured? You know, talk about your spinal cord injury and kind of how that happened and, and kind of your recovery from that. Sure. Um, it's always an interesting question where to start people on the journey of, you know, how you ended up the way you ended up, right? Yeah. Um, 
mine, I, I, I might be the only person that I've come across who might've actually asked for an injury. Uh, although mine wasn't like, I didn't specifically ask for it, but three days before my injury, um, I kind of put out some intention, put out a, a small prayer on the Southeast side of this Island on the, the big Island of Hawaii. And I kind of put myself out there, wanted to be a healer, wanted to share the kind of teachings that my teachers had shared with me. Uh, and I wanted to share it with my local community here and, um, and, you know, all those that I could kind of come across. And so I uh, put my heart out there. Three days later, I'm trimming a coconut tree and I kind of get this, this knowingness that like, you're about to fall right now, but it's going to be okay. And I, uh, I remember having that kind of awareness come through me, that kind of intuition. And moments later, I'm, I'm like waking up at the bottom of this 30 foot coconut tree, uh, you know, body shattered, trying to figure out, you know, make sense of all these sensations that are going through my body. Um, but it didn't take very long before I, I basically got it and, and realized like, Oh fuck, I'm paralyzed, you know, like, this is next level injury. Um, but even though I was injured, even though I had, you know, kind of my ego being like, you know, there goes your career and there goes your home life. And, you know, just kind of seeing that, that shattering kind of ripple across the different layers of life. Um, I also had this, this kind of knowingness that the same knowingness that was up in the tree was kind of talking to me in this, like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm walking beside you kind of thing. And, uh, so I, I really leaned into that and tried my best not to fall victim to the antics of my ego and all the stories my mind wanted to make up about what this would all mean. And I tried to focus as much on what I wanted it to be. You know, I wanted this to be an opportunity for me to, um, you know, to put the practices my teachers had shared with me to use. I wanted to use it as an opportunity to grow. I wanted to use it as an opportunity to really push myself and see what I was capable of. Um, so at that point, you know, I shuttled over to another island so I can go to, you know, ICU and, and that whole deal. And I just kind of started plugging away in that little, you know, ventilator bed just working with the things that I could, you know, I, I couldn't use my arms. I couldn't use my, my chest and my sternum, all that was broken. And, uh, you know, basically shattered from the, the navel down with two, you know, T 10, no T 11, T 12 were shattered. Um, and so I just spent that time in the incubator. Um, so I got like a itchy eye right now. And so I spent that time and, the incubator focusing on the foundational, you know, practices of a yoga or of a martial art. And, um, you know, with any yoga, with any martial art, it all starts and ends with the breath. Uh, so I put to use the, you know, the practices my teacher shared with me and gradually, gradually saw my body kind of coming back to life. I can go down a rabbit hole here, bro. So <laughs> you no, no, correct me anyway no, you want me to go. No, that's super interesting. Um, so yeah, like I, I wanna so you were you were injured at like T ten through T twelve, you said? And uh, uh, T four was shattered and then T eleven and twelve were shattered. And okay. so I got fused from from T ten to L one. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, being in Hawaii, um, you know, yeah, and you talk about having to get shuttled to another island, like, are you conscious the whole time? Like after you, you hit the ground, I mean, did you come back? I mean, I guess you said you kind of like woke up at the bottom of, of the tree. Um, you know, were there other people around? Cause I know you're kind of in, in a somewhat remote, um, you know, jungle area, at least from some of the YouTube videos I saw of where you, you kind of did this rehab at, um, or I guess once you went home, what your rehab situation was like. So yeah, what, what's that process like of getting out of, of kind of your jungle home to to get to a hospital where they can you know do do a fusion on your on your spinal cord and get you into rehab and stuff? Yeah, good question. Um, I was actually not at my my cabin that I was living at. I, I was not there. Um, I had come out of the valley for for the day to train with my teacher. And um, after I got done training, I went to go work on, you know, this coconut tree. I, we had trimmed the tree the week before. And so I was just coming back to kind of finish, finish the job on the property and uh, fell out of the tree. And, and so they shuttled me from, it was still a very remote part of the island. It's like 19 miles past uh, really any other town. Uh, and it just like the road stops there. So it's a pretty small former plantation town. And uh, so, yeah, as soon as I was injured, they shut or they helicopter evac me to the local hospital, determined the extent of my injuries and then um, shuttled me what, 150 miles to the to, to Oahu, where basically this big medical facility is. And that's where they put my spine back together. Wow. So how much time did you spend, you know, in the hospital, like for dealing with the, the injury and then also with the, the aftermath of the rehab and everything before you were able to finally head back to your, your kind of jungle oasis? Yeah, I spent a couple weeks in ICU, then maybe another two weeks, like learning how to sit upright, learning how to be in a wheelchair, basically. Then from there, I was uh, transferred to a different hospital, to a rehab facility. And I spent, um, you know, the better part of a month there, uh, you know, kind of animating a little bit more, you know, getting my rolls down and my turns and, um, you know, kind of getting to a place where I think the last week I was like working with the, the, the wheelchair, not the wheelchair, the walker. Uh, and so when I was released, I was in this weird space between being in a wheelchair and being and using the walker. Um, but when I w went home, the cabin that I was at, I couldn't actually really use the wheelchair because like you said, like I'm in the jungle. So everything outside of the, the you know, the cabin floor, everything outside of that is grassy, rocky, you know, precarious to, to move around. Um, and I'm just going to sink with my wheelchair. Like I'm just going to sink right into the mud. I'm not going anywhere. So um, it was kind of uh, a thing of being forced to rehab in a particular way. Um, you know, the night we got released from the hospital and I'm driving, we're driving, I'm not driving, somebody's driving, <laughs> we're driving uh, into the valley. And uh, this is a 2000 foot descent in a quarter mile. So it's like four low, you're driving down this thing, you get to the bottom and you got another uh, two and a half miles of jungle four by four crawling. 
to get just to the back of this cabin. And uh, we're the last house of maybe 31 homes down there in this little tiny valley. So super remote. Um, and our vehicle, the, the alternator died on the way home. So I was actually stuck down there at this, at this jungle cabin. We had to get a, a ride, like a pull from another, uh, a neighbor, you know, to get the vehicle home. Um, and so I'm stuck down there. My girlfriend's got to hike in and out every day to get groceries, to go to work, you know? So it's like, I'm not going to see a nurse and a nurse isn't coming down to see me. Um, so I was pretty much stuck there, but it forced me to rehab in a very unique way. Um, unable to use the wheelchair outside. I was kind of like forced with the walker and forced with my ground game. You know, like I really had to focus on my ground game if I wanted to get beyond that level. Um, so since I was stuck inside, I really just focused on as much as I can doing these yoga and martial art um, type postures to get my body to, to move in this way and to crawl over to that thing and, you know, scale the walls, like, just like a kid, like walk over to a couch and, and pull myself up and, okay, I spent five seconds here, get back down and army crawl, bear crawl, any kind of crawl to the wall, get over there, pull yourself up. And I just basically acted like a toddler where I just crawled everywhere, tried to climb on top of everything until my body started to understand that I was going to continue to put a demand on this machine. And it was up to the machine to, to live up to that demand. Um, and I'm grateful that I had to do that. Like I had to crawl into the river in order to take baths. Like, you know, and then, okay, cool. Now, how you want to get out? Because it's a downhill to get into the river. So now you got to go up, right? Uh, so I really, really was forced to do things in a, in a non-traditional way. Um, and it didn't take long after getting, being injured that my girlfriend wanted no part of, you know, helping a person rehab. Like, you don't know how long they're going to be in this position. You know, that's not something that a 23 year old wants to subscribe to for life. Uh, so I found myself at that point, you know, alone, homeless, living at beaches, literally camping at beaches, um, having to sneak past these security guards so that I could uh, stay on this beach because it had a bathroom, even though it was grody, nasty from all the feral tourists, you know, and you're having a catheter and, and do the whole spinal cord injury care program. But in a, you're, in doing, a you're doing all this really interesting from, way. So you're doing all this, like living on a beach, after yeah. I mean I guess after so like how long after did you have to like move to the beach from your jungle cabin about about two and a half months so, so less than six months after injury I'm homeless wow uh, living in my car uh with my little chihuahua terrier you know and everything I own just stuffed into a car wow and so you're yeah. able like right now you're able to walk around somewhat right like you're are you you're not like I have no problems walking no problems walking. Okay. So how, and, 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 go ahead. Sorry. I shouldn't say I have no problems walking. If I don't wear a um, custom orthotic with ankle braces, like my feet will be absolutely wrecked, like in a hurry. Um, but for the most part, I can hike up a mountain, you know, I go hunting, I free dive, 
Um, so over the course of what's now 10 years, I just created a lifestyle that forced my body to rehab, you know, I see. I see. Um, and, and putting, putting these conditions on my body instead of letting my body put conditions on me. That's, that's a, that's a super good way of looking at things or like thinking of that. Um, I was wondering, Dustin, when you, so when you're coming out of the hospital, are they like, look, we think you're going to be able to eventually walk again if you keep up with all this stuff or were they just like, you know, like typical, you're, you're in a wheelchair for the rest of your life or like what, what was kind of the vibe coming out of, of your rehab situation going back to your, to your house, your, your home at the time? At the time, uh, it was a kind of a mixed bag. So the nurses were very, um, very encouraging of me to learn how to be in a wheelchair from their perspective. And from what the sentiment was, it was like, dude, this is your life. Now you're going to be in a wheelchair. You need to learn how to catheter. You need to learn how to use the magic bullets. You need to do all these things because this is going to be your life. And the doctor was kind of like, you know, we're going to have to wait and see every case is different. And, you know, basically what I appreciated about my doctor, uh, was that he didn't give me a yes or a no, you know, like if a doctor, a doctor has this strange power of suggestion, if the doctor tells me, yes, you're going to learn how to, you're going to walk again, then I might get it in my head that I don't have to do anything that my body is just going to organically animate and I'm going to be walking again, no problem. But what happens if I don't right now we're looking at a litigious scenario, but what about the other side? What if the doctor says, uh, it's not looking good. We've seen this kind of injury before, and there's a high probability of you not being able to walk. Well, I might use that against myself also, you know, I might say, well, what's the point? Why even try doctor says I'm never going to, so I'm just going to get real comfy having people do things for me. And um, so I was grateful that the doctor just was like, we're going to have to wait and see uh, because I had already made up my mind on what I wanted. And, um, you know, I, I somehow knew or had the sensation that the practices, these ancient traditions of the East had the answers for me. And if I just plugged into these practices, I would see the most, remarkable results because 5,000 years of history has shown that these guys have done some pretty amazing things in the East. Uh, and for some reason, we don't put these practices to use in the West. Um, there's not probably as much money as pharmaceuticals or keeping people dependent on a system. You know, what I've came to find is that there's a spinal cord industry and it's an industry that kind of keeps people safe and it pr provides a lot of cool machines and cool technologies and cool devices, but a lot of them are kind of aimed at keeping people comfortable, keeping them um, safe. Safe is a big word and is a big consideration for Western medicine. We want to keep people comfortable and safe. And with spinal cord injury, like, man, I can't tell you how many times I found myself back in the hospital with ulcers and abrasions and infections simply because I was trying to push the bounds. One thing my doctor did say was, take it easy, don't do too much, let your body heal. 
I did not listen to that. I'm an athlete at my core, you know, played football, soccer, basketball, track. I've competed in bodybuilding competitions. I've been a martial artist now for like 12, 13, 14 years, something like that. So I'm used to a certain level of intensity. I'm used to a certain level of input. And it, it doesn't matter to me if I skid my knees on the playing field, you know, like I'm going to heal and I'm going to get myself back out there on the field, no matter what comes before me. Um, so using that mentality of the athlete to persevere in spite of short-term setbacks was, you know, imperative because I could have given up at any time. I've got another infection, you know, the doctor says, Hey bud, you gotta don't do this stuff anymore. We're tired of seeing you for this infection. If we come, if you keep coming back with an infection, we're going to have to amputate. You know, I, I got the, this stuff, the, these words from doctors at a particular time. It's like, that's cool. I'm just going to find another doctor. Right. I'm just going to find a doctor that will continue to keep me plugged in so that I can continue to play the game. You know, I'm here to hustle. <laughs> right. Yeah. My guy, yeah. my guy, uh, no bullshit rehab on Instagram. It's like, if, if when he hears this, he's going to be screaming at, at his, uh, at his phone or Spotify or whatever. That's like the exact message that he preaches too. So, I mean, I definitely right I get it, man. I get it. Um, what's you know, his name what's that what's his name it's uh he's no bullshit rehab on uh on instagram so he's pretty he's, a, right. he's a pretty interesting follow man he's a, an australian uh, physiotherapist he's yeah he's got a great message uh, i suggest everybody go check that out too um but yeah you know dustin i know um both you know kind of on your website and and what you've been talking about now with kind of your teachers and your um you know, people that have guided you along the way. It's, it's now, you talk about kind of being, I heard you talk about being prepared to deal with the spinal cord injury. I know you said you kind of asked for it as well in, in your explanation. Um, you talk about kind of your upbringing and how that you feel like that, like the teachers that, that, that uh, guided you in your, your earlier years and through your martial arts and stuff like that, like how those teachings kind of helped you with taking this this injury it's life-changing injury in and and just kind of dealing with it and um, yeah you know overcoming so uh, I'm going to take us down two different um, pathways here uh, so the first is that yoga martial arts um, mindfulness practices they help us to understand that we're more than just this physical body. Right. And when you get an injury like spinal cord injury, you know, it's, it's very beneficial to understand that, that notion that we are not this body, that there's something deeper, something that's animating through us. Now, whatever that is, people have different names for it. Um, but essentially the, it's this primordial energy and this primordial energy animates through all the living things. And so, uh, understanding that there's a life force that moves in through and around all living things that helps all of the different creatures under, you know, God's kingdom, it, it this life force is a necessary component to any rehabilitation game, as far as I'm concerned. And this life force wants to move in through and around us. But an injury like spinal cord injury, 
really damages the energetic matrix. And so practices like yoga and acupuncture and Qigong uh, and, and, you know, internal martial arts, it helps us to understand that there is this energy, this life force that we can work with to essentially aid the natural processes of healing. What it all, what they also help us understand is that they are, there are different layers of, of our human anatomy, more than just our, our physical biological functions. Right. And so I kind of started to look at what my anatomy was beyond just my physical body, knowing that I have electrical currents that aren't making, you know, the, the connection, you know, I'm not getting uh, adequate blood flow or circulation. Um, noticing that there's this kind of shrapnel in my mind that wants to hold me back or wants to limit or wants to um, uh, kind of kind of restrict me in my thinking. So I start looking at this multidimensional anatomy, and what I discovered is that there's seven real seven major components, and those are the electromagnetic, psycho-spiritual, biochemical, and being layers of our human anatomy. And so, looking at those seven different layers, I wanted to to inspect each one and say, okay, well, which one is in need of nourishment? Which one's feeling deficient? Which one is in need of repair? Um, and, and how can I affect each of these different layers? How can I affect the electric system? And what is the electric system? It's more than just, you know, uh, uh, nerves firing and, um, you know, the central nervous system. It's more than that, but what is it? And what is, how does my psyche, you know, impaired and how is it holding my, um, my body back from healing? Cause we know that there's this idea of placebo. We know that, that um, you know, you can focus your mind and your body will follow in particular ways. Um, uh, Dr. Dispenza's work, doc, Dr. Joe Dispenza has a lot of research and a lot of, um, uh, information and case studies on people using the power of their mind to heal from the most radical things. It's pretty, pretty potent stuff. He's written a book all about that. You are the placebo. And, and so we understand that there's a mind body connection. But we also know that we're more than just a mind and a body and we've got a spirit and, and there's all these different components. So looking at these different components, trying to understand what are the different levels or layers of my electric grid and how are they in, impacted? So I started looking at, you know, meridians and chakras and um, what is the energy, this primordial energy that moves between or through these currents of energy? What are the, you know, how does the nervous system been impaired? So I want to look at all these different things, but I also want to look at my biochemistry. You know, how has my biochemistry been impacted from the injury? With a lot of folks with spinal cord injury, we notice, especially the dudes, we notice a big plummet in testosterone. And so all of these things, you know, our, our biochemistry, our, our mental um, hangups, our mental faculties, our um, spiritual nature, like if we can tap into these things, if we can understand them, we can address them so that the body, the, the, the multidimensional being that we are can follow suit. So that's that side. The other side of it is that I wanted to know who gets injured and who heals from injuries. 
And as a martial artist, I knew that martial arts is one of those industries, it's one of those career choices that you have an inevitability of being injured, right? Through the thousands of years that warfare and martial arts have been kind of established since like the time of the Yellow Emperor, right? When we first had these, uh, you know, the first wrestling styles, even before the Greek pantheon, um, you know, you see that, that fighting and hand-to-hand combat is, is just kind of part of human experience at a particular point, right? Like you got to learn how to fight off the, the warlords. You got to learn how to protect your family. And so this was like a, a way of life for a really long time. And what that meant was people are being injured. And so I looked at cultures that have a history of being injured, but also have a history of learning how to heal from those injuries. And what I found was in China, they have some of the most amazing fighters have come out of, out of Asia, particularly out of China. And these guys have had to fight off, you know, warring nations. They've had to fight off warlords. They'd have to protect themselves from thieves. And so people in the fields are getting injured. People of all different walks of life have to get back to living life, whether that's being a farmer or being the emperor's bodyguard. You got to get back on track. So they developed medicines. They developed um, different healing practices to help their body in the process of recovery. Everything from spear wounds to infections to broken bones to paralysis. These guys have experienced it all, and they've put together programs to help these, uh, you know, these different injuries heal. These so they created essentially like rejuvenation arts, and so. My first teacher, um, not my first, first teacher, my first martial arts teacher, but uh, my, the teacher that I was working with at the time of my injury, uh, this guy, Jonathan Gaines, he's now passed. Um, he introduced me to the idea of utilizing chi as a life force, uh, utilizing chi as a regener- regener- regenerative power. And so I got out of ICU, I got out of the hospital, and I'm making my way back to class after we finally got our truck running again. Um, and I started going back to class and he would, you know, I'd have to wheel out there into the middle of the park and he'd put my walker down in front of me and he'd strap my legs into the, the chairs of the walker and he'd have me stand up and sit down and, and, you know, but he old school, very old school way of training, right? Like dive right in buddy. And, and, but gradually, gradually, you know, with my, my legs being forced into these positions and me still having to do the, the Tai Chi and the Qigong practices that he had taught me beforehand, gradually, gradually, my body started turning back on and fast forward some years, Jonathan passed and I found this other teacher. Um, and this guy is, he's still my teacher now. And he's part of this international organization of Chinese Kung Fu and Chinese martial medicine. And these guys have one of the most unique programs that I've ever seen because they literally have uh, exercises that have been developed specifically for folks that have been paralyzed during a fight. What happens if you're paralyzed in the middle of a fight and you need to crawl back home or you need to somehow make it back to your, to safety. So these guys developed programs to help people at all stages of the fight. And, um, and my teacher started going to, to work, doing acupuncture, doing this medical massage, 
putting these polters, uh, poultices and plasters all over my body using heat therapies and, and, um, you know, realigning my bones so that everything is kind of in accord and has its greatest potential to heal. And, uh, and then he said, okay, now here's what you have to do. I can only do this stuff. Here's what you have to do. And, and this is one of the most paramount things is that like, nobody can do the work for you. You know, like you can see a massage therapist and you can get your acupuncture done and um, you can talk to nutrition therapist or, uh, you know, dietitians and nutritionists and doctors and go to PT. But like at the end of the day, it's what you do behind closed doors, day in, day out, every day executing so that your body, uh, you know, gets on board with that. So yeah, Dustin, that, that's all awesome, man. I, I want to know, you know, reading on your website and, um, you know, on your, on your Instagram page and everything, you talk about the spiritual cord in journey instead of spinal cord injury, it's spiritual cord in journey. And where, you know, where did that come from? Uh, I know it sounds like a lot of like your yoga and your martial arts teachings and kind of Eastern medicine um, might've had an influence on that, but explain that to us. And, and yeah, I mean, I just think that's a very cool, cool saying that you came up with there. Right on. Um, where did that come from? Uh, I think it, it kind of stems from the fact, like we were talking earlier, like we are not these bodies. Um, and so what is that presence uh, that is moving through us? And, you know, I believe that there's a spiritual answer for every problem for all of life's challenges there's a spiritual answer to it and a, a, a thing like spinal cord injury um well i'll just even take it broader than that injuries kind of, from what i can understand injuries bring us to this sense of stillness right like when you get injured particularly something like a spinal cord injury it instantly brings you to stillness now the purpose for that is to get us connected with this silence because in the silence, we find the witness. And if we're present enough, if we're conscious enough, there's wisdom within that injury. And so the opportunity there with a spinal cord injury is to look deep within ourselves and find those things that one, that, 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 place that can never be broken to find that within ourselves that it's past all the antics of the ego it's past you know the the wants needs and desires of of you know our personality but there's this this deeper resonance that if we can tap into and if we can bring that forward in spite of the injury there's a real opportunity there and you know the message might be different from everybody for everybody but essentially you know, as we drop into that presence, there's, there's a message there for us. Now, maybe for some folks, that message was there prior to the injury. Maybe that injury was necessary in order for us to listen to that message. Maybe we knew what the message was, but we didn't have the, the environment. The environment wasn't set enough for us to bring that message out. And so the opportunity with a spinal cord injury is that you're kind of given the second chance. 
And in that second chance, you, you can, you can succumb to your fate or you can rise to your destiny. And so going deep within our own, you know, our own spirit and finding whatever that is, whether it's a message or a certain level of courage and determination, a devotion to something like we discover what it is that our spirit is really trying to call forth and really trying to bring forth. And the opportunity is that you can still do that. Even though our bodies have been altered, uh, that spiritual nature is still trying to get through. That's why we've been given the second chance. And I feel like, you know, with, with, with something as deep as a spinal cord injury, there's got to be something equally, if not greater, uh, uh, even deeper on the other side that is trying to come through. Yeah. So come to your fate or rise to your destiny. I love that. That's, uh, that's, that's incredible, man. Um, so I know that people are able to, or I guess you're, you're kind of implementing a program. I don't know if you've already done it yet, or if it's kind of an upcoming thing where people can come to train with you in Hawaii after a spinal cord injury. Um, or do some online training with you. So how, how does that all work? Kind of go, go, let's go over the um, coming out to Hawaii and working with you first. And then, then we'll talk a little bit about the online training as well. Sure. Um, so we are not, uh, so we've got outpatient clinic and we got um, our resident residential clinic. Um, the residential clinic is actually a, a property that is owned by my teacher. Um, the guy that I've been working with over the last eight years, uh, and it's this beautiful 25 acre, uh, you know, horse property, if you will. Um, not necessarily that we get to ride the horses, but there's horses on the property. Uh, anyway, so it's, it's a pretty good sized property. Um, the house is a five bedroom residence and it's an opportunity for folks to come out to, train in the practices that I use, that my teacher helped me heal with, and also get a, get a chance to actually experience some of the medicine that my teacher used, you know? So um, participants would get daily therapeutic training. So we go out into the yard and actually do physical training, whether that's yoga or breathing or meditation or qigongs. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day you get uh, folks will be able to experience Chinese medical massage and craniosacral therapies and uh, plug them, you know, do different acupuncture treatments and stuff like that. So they get to experience the medicine. We're going to put polters and plasters and liniments on them, depending on what it is that they're working with. Um, but it's an opportunity for folks to kind of uh, experience the same medicine that was used on me, see how it could be used on them. And um, over that, the course of the month, we work on essentially establishing a lifestyle program for folks to then be able to take home, plug in and their, you know, home environment so that the process of healing can be uh, something that is just, it's organic. Like, you know, after a while, you don't really have to try to heal because your lifestyle is, is designed to inspire the, these natural processes, whether that means diet, nutrition, whether that means daily activities, whether that means meditations that calm and reduce the nervous system, or whether that's visualization practices to try to turn the body on from the inside out. Um, and then of course, like you said, we've got online programs where 
I'm starting to share some of these practices, help folks develop um, their own home practice. Again, whether that's breathing, meditation, uh, different yogic exercises uh, to help turn the body on, help you know alleviate bowel and bladder symptoms, um, all the way to you know sexual health for right now at this point at least um, men. So I'm uh, I don't have somebody to to work with women for sexual reproductive health. Uh, so at this point, I'm just working with with men in that regard. That's very cool. So what, what are we looking at for like a cost to come out there for the month? And, um, you know, it sounds like it's all inclusive and, and it really, um, it, it feels like it's re- like, I really appreciate what you guys are doing because it's, it's, you know, mind, body, and spirit, like you're you know, taking care of health, like healthy ways to eat and things like that. Because obviously with a spinal cord injury, you can't move as well as, as, somebody that's able-bodied and so you have to kind of change your eating habits and change the way you you do so many things so um yeah like what, what are we looking at for cost and 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 like both of like the online version and and coming out to hawaii to visit with you guys absolutely uh right now for the in-person 30-day boot camps um we're still waiting for the final little pieces of the remodel to be completed. Uh, so once that gets going, my, my kind of long-term plan or initial plan, I guess, is just taking a really long time is to get state insurance, HMSA, Medicaid, um, to cover these costs for folks. And that would cover accommodations, travel, um, food, training, the whole thing. So because it, yeah, because it, you know, it's, it would cost a lot. It's, a, it's a, about $10,000 to run the program, ten dollars to $15,000 um, to feed everybody, work, you know, do their travel, um, get them around the island for weekly adventures, staffing, like it just, it's, it's a costly thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, initially I wanted to do a cash basis, but folks in our condition, like I would never be able to pay for that out of pocket. Um, so what we are working on is getting this program approved by these um, insurance companies so that everything will be taken care of. And it's been a really, really long process because there is no other program like what we're doing. Um, but with each passing month and each passing year, more and more alternative medicine is being um, seen as highly valuable. And um, insurances are starting to kind of take a little bit of that responsibility and in covering those costs. Um, But out here in Hawaii, we kind of have a unique thing in that we're we're kind of isolated from mainland America. So sometimes we're allowed to incubate. Um, And so as soon as we get the remodel done, insurance uh, is going to come out. They're going to see what our program is about. And hopefully we'll get that stamp of approval and be able to get people coming out here, whether they're, you know, just a, 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 you know, person in North Carolina, whether they're a vet, you know, we want to be able to offer this to folks in, in, you know, different types of conditions. No, that's incredible. And, you know, um, I think I saw that it's, it's kind of limited to 10 people at a time. You guys are trying to keep it small. It seems like to start out with, is this something that you'd eventually like to have like a bigger center where you can have, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how many people you could realistically have in at a time, but um, is this something that you're hoping to grow and, and get, get a little bigger? Over time? Absolutely. 
Awesome. Absolutely. So uh, that is my big goal is to kind of do these do small incubator type programs. Like you said, 10, 10 folks, we only have five rooms at this, um, this home residence. And so, uh, you know, we can only run one group at a time, but the plan would be, like you said, to create a bigger facility where we can have multiple groups coming in at a time. We want to keep the group mentality because, I mean, you know how it is, spinal cord injury, you feel so stinking alone, you know, like you go to therapy and you're, yeah, you got a group of folks, but you kind of, a group of folks helping you. But as far as like you as the patient practitioner, it kind of feels like you're in it alone. Uh, and so in this group mentality, we can work with group flow. We can use a um, kind of communal space where you feel supported by your, your comrades out there. Um, and so, yeah, we want to be able to do maybe one, two, three of those at a time at a bigger facility. Uh, and so bringing us to the book, so sales from the book, proceeds from the book are actually going to go towards this bigger facility uh, where we can, you know, really go to work and create something very unique for this spinal cord in, in industry. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. And you're talking about your upcoming book, Paralysis Assassin healing spinal cord injury with ancient warrior wisdom um, yeah we got it right here yeah got i'll take a screenshot of that to put with the podcast Boom. um yeah so when when does the book come out what what's the uh you know, yeah what's the book about like it's a, i mean i'm assuming it's about healing spinal cord injuries and kind of what you're doing there but um yeah just talk about like where the you know when, when you decided you wanted to make or you write a book and and yeah, when, when it actually is coming out. Um, okay. Uh, I think I knew pretty early on in my injury that I wanted to write a book because I was utilizing practices that I didn't really see anywhere else in the industry. Um, and so I wanted to write a book about those practices, but I also didn't want it to just be so bland and boring as like do X, Y, Z kind of thing like eventually we'll put that together but I wanted to take people on a journey I wanted to see how these things were put to use during my process so what the book is is it's actually a story of my injury and the different stages where I use these different practices along the way you know whether I was in the hospital using breathing meditations and and um, imagery exercises whether I was in the hospital having nurses put on these polters and plasters, even though it went way against medical, uh, you know, what, what they were really allowed to do. Um, all the way through, you know, meeting my current teacher and starting to train with him and these different practices that we started to put to use so that my body could reestablish itself. Uh, and so that's what the book is about, is about putting these practices to use and how it actually impacted me during these different stages of my own rehabilitation. Okay. So it's part autobiography, part blueprint on what you did to get to where you're at now. Exactly. Okay. No, that's yeah. very cool. And did you already say when it's coming out or what, I guess you're waiting oh, shoot. on getting it back? Um, yeah, I'm waiting for, um, so like I said, I'm a part of this big international um, Chinese medical and uh, Chinese medicine and martial arts organization. And uh, so this organization has clinics across North America. Folks can plug into them. They can go, they can get this medicine. 
um, at these, these smaller um, localized clinics. Uh, but in being that I'm part of this organization, there's culture, there's medical review, there's um, different influences that I need to, to be sensitive to, um, whether that's our grandmaster's family, whether that's the school as a whole, whether that's the, the lineage that, you know, these guys have been sharing for so long and kind of preserving over the years. And so with all these sensitivities, I've had to send the book out to get cultural review and medical review and familial review. And so right now it's in that process. I have no idea when I'll get the book back from these different, um, you know, these different uh, influence points. But hopefully within the month of June, we see the, I think I'm down to like three more um, reviews that I'm waiting on. And then we'll make those final edits and have it available for folks as, as soon as possible. Oh, that's that's amazing. hopefully by the end of summer worst case scenario oh incredible yeah. man and that's that's so great um track backtracking a little bit i wanted to um find out about the online uh kind of classes mm. that you offer too like just like where um where people can sign up for those like what 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 those are running as far as price wise goes and are you trying to get those covered by insurance too or I, yeah i don't know like what yeah, kind of explain, explain the online version. Uh, yeah, so the online is just uh, an abbreviated version of what they're going to get when they come out to, uh, to Hawaii to train with us. Um, obviously, they're not going to get the medicine as far as like, you know, medical massage or acupuncture or stuff like that. But what they will get is some of the meditation practices. We'll go through some of the yogas and um, the different Qigong practices. And so they'll get an opportunity to start bringing these things into their life, even though they might be in, you know, the East Coast or Great Britain or wherever the heck folks are at. So it allows us to connect with them there, start putting some of these practices to use. Um, I've tried to keep the cost as small as possible. Um, so less than a cup of coffee a day. It's, I think we're at like $34 a month, something like that. Um, but so folks can find, uh, they can get access on my website, uh, dustinmeza.life. And um, once they sign up for a membership, they're going to have access to all of the videos in the archives so that they can do the different yogic practices on their own at a time that's convenient for them. They can listen into the um, class talks. Um, like today, we just focused on deep diaphragmatic breathing and the benefits of that for the spinal cord. Uh, so they can find all of the archived you know, content on the website in the members area. Um, and, and a lot of that stuff is not going to be found on YouTube. It's going to be, uh, only accessible through the members. Area. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have a friend that I went to high school with named Sita Simonette and she, uh, runs black pearl acupuncture down in Portland. Um, and she's a Chinese medicine. She has a degree in Chinese medicine as well. What, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, how much you want to reveal, like, without people signing up for, for the classes or whatnot, but, like, are there some some kind of basic Chinese medicines that people with spinal cord injuries should be looking at to, to, to pursue? I mean, even if it's, uh, you know, just going to their local Chinese, in their hometown, going to their local Chinese medicine expert? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what I'm, everything that I share, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to 
you know, hide it in some big container. Like I'm an open book. Um, I feel like this information is something that folks need. Um, and, and so to answer that question, things that folks can, can, can do for their own home practice is going to come down to passive and active therapies. The passive therapies are going to be everything that somebody else does to you, whether that's massage, acupuncture, um, osteopathic, chiropractic adjustments, um, you know, things of that nature where craniosacral, very, very important. Um, so passive therapies are a must, you know, look folks up in your local area that are uh, competent in craniosacral that are competent with acupuncture. Now are all acupuncture and, and chiropractic visits and craniosacral visits, massage visits, are they all going to be equal? No, people are going to have different skill sets. They're going to know how to use the body differently. They're going to have different understanding, um, emphasis, but something is going to be better than nothing. Getting craniosacral is going to be better than not getting craniosacral. Getting acupuncture, even if it's not the same theory of application, is still better than not getting acupuncture. Um, so, so engage in passive therapies. Go to a Chinese medical school near you if money's an issue and let them, let them treat you like a guinea pig. You know, like they massage schools, um, chiropractic schools, acupuncture schools, there are students who want to learn and the teachers want to give them as much diversity in the, in the clinic as possible. So folks like us coming in and being like, Hey, I've got this really unique thing. You're probably not going to see it. You, you, you know, folks can go their entire therapeutic life without ever seeing a person with spinal cord injury. So give them that opportunity, go in, make a phone call, say, Hey, I've got this condition. I can't really afford classes, but maybe I could give myself to the medical clinic and you guys can use me as a study case. You know, that's what I did. My local community here was super, super forgiving as far as that. And I've made it into a bunch of different acupuncture schools and folks have just been able to work on me. Like, you know, in, in these really, really neat settings, because not only do you have like two, three, four, five different students that are working on you learning, but you also have the teachers there with all their knowledge that are, that are, you know, diagnosing and treating you. So you really get this, um, this value added opportunity, as opposed to just like going in paying cash. And it's like, ah, oh, you get an hour, you get a, two hours, right? right? They're actually there to study you and, and to put their treatment to use on you. So, uh, Connecting with your local community like that, super, super important, could be highly invaluable. Um, the other side is your active therapies. You know, you don't just want to limit yourself to PT. If you limit yourself to that one or two hours a week of PT, like you're really, really not pushing yourself. Um, I mean, you go to PT, you got like 10, 15 minutes of intake. Then they got to do, you know, run through the like preliminary stuff by the time you get done and eh, maybe you got 15 minutes of actual work. So design your life so that you're, you're training at home. You're using what you go to PT and you're taking that home in some way and you're putting it to use. Don't leave your training up to your trainers. 
that's just getting information. Take that information, go home, put it to use, put in the hours. If you were training for a competition, training for a sports game, like the amount of hours you'd put in would be phenomenal, significantly higher than if you're just like, I'm just here to ride the bike for 25 minutes or something, you know? Right. So engaging as fully as possible with your active program is, is going to make the difference. Remember, it's like anything, whether you're learning the saxophone or uh, learning how to, I don't know, write code for the computer, right? It's 10,000 hours. You need 10,000 hours to really master something. And your body needs that same time. It needs the same gestation period. And, you know, treat yourself like a newborn infant, right? Like they're moving all the time. They're eating all the time and they're eating the best high potency, high nutrition meals that parents will give them, right? Like they're moving all across the house, climbing on top of things. Like don't just limit yourself to what takes place in the clinic or at the, at the therapy office, go home and make your entire home, your arena, get you some elbow pads, get you some knee pads, get you some gloves, whatever it is so that you can just crawl and wiggle and you know, like you can get an entire uh, a padded chest suit for your back and shoulders and, and chest so that you can crawl all around your house. You know, the more hours you put in, the greater the conditions that your body's going to go through and the more it's going to be demanded and forced to live up to those expectations, to live up to those demands. That's how the body works is it needs, it, it needs challenge. It needs opposition to grow. I love it. No, that's, that makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh, you know, Dustin, Dustin, I don't want to ask, normally I ask at this point, like anybody that's dealing with a spinal cord injury to give a piece of advice to anybody that like maybe is newly injured, like what to, what to try to do this or that. Um, I want to know from you, what would be your like piece of advice for somebody newly injured to, to stay away from, like to, like, yeah, good question. What would, yeah, what would they, what would you, you suggest that you not do, I guess, in this situation? Don't get too comfortable. This is one of the biggest things, you know, when I, when I talk to folks with Sai that I see is that because the body is so uncomfortable, we try to make ourselves more comfortable. So we hyper pad everything up. We have people like, oh, it's uncomfortable for me to uh, crawl around and go get me a glass of water. So we call and we ask for help from our significant other, from our parents, from wh whomever's around, right? We're constant. It, it becomes a, a habitual thing and a, something that's almost unconscious where we start asking for help, other people doing the work for us. Every time you have to get up and crawl to do something, is an opportunity for your body to live up to a new demand. So one of the things I try to share with folks is, is not to get too comfortable being comfortable. Like you gotta, even, even though it is uncomfortable, it's time consuming, it's embarrassing sometimes to have to do things on our own in the weird way that we now have to do them, put your body through it. Put your ego through it, put your ego aside for a little bit and just go through it. 
because every time that you put a demand on your body, every time that you ask it to do something is another minute, is another 30 seconds towards that 10,000 hour mark. That's what we're trying to get to is that 10,000 hours. And it's an arbitrary number and maybe it's 12,000, maybe it's 20,000, but it's going to be a lot. <laughs> I can assure you that. And, and the thing is, is that life is always pushing against us. So all the times, all the moments that we choose the easy route, we choose to have somebody else help us out. We, it's, it's, it's time against us because the body is getting more comfortable. It's getting perhaps lazier, right? There's all the conditions of aging that are constantly taking place. And with injury, aging seems to happen significantly faster. Like I got white hairs after I got an injury. Like, how does that work? Yeah. And, you know, and, and so, so because aging is always happening because the injury seems to expedite the process of aging because we don't have the same circulation or our nervous system is stressed out or, you know, we're having toxic buildup because of quad belly symptoms. Um, these things are always working against us. So every demand that we can give the body is, is a chipping away at that is the chipping away at the aging is a chipping away at the, the static injury. We want to try to alleviate that. And the only way you can do that is by doing your own work is by forcing your body to do these things. You know, once upon a time we had to carry water for miles on our head. Like, what does that do to the body? Like, you know, it, there's an endurance factor. There's a stability factor. There's so many things that our bodies were kind of designed to do that spinal cord injury takes away from us. And so every opportunity that we can say, no, no, no body, this is the demand I need you to meet is an opportunity for the body to rise up to that level. Man, so that, don't get too comfortable. That was a, that was a beautiful, uh, that was a beautiful way to explain that, man. I, I appreciate that. Dustin Mesa, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. This is, been fascinating and i'm sure that the the audience is going to appreciate it hopefully we can get some people to sign up for your online uh classes if nothing else and, and maybe some people will come out and, and when you guys are ready to start seeing people in person and i would love to love to hear from you maybe after you do a few of those just to hear how how people are are reacting to it and and everything like that so Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much awesome. for, for joining me this morning. I know, uh, yeah, I know this was a couple weeks in the making, but uh, I'm so glad that we were able to do it. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate you having me on, man. And sorry about that COVID thing, man. That just jumps out of nowhere. No, no worries, man. I, I completely understand. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's life. So glad you're glad you're healthy and and back back at it. So yeah, we'll we'll connect down the road a little bit, Thanks Dustin. So much. And, and yeah, man, thank you so much. You betcha. I'll keep you guys uh, tuned in on when Paralysis Assassin is available and ready for purchase. You'll find it on Amazon when it is. Perfect. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Right on, man. Take care. All right. That was Dustin Meza. Uh, thank him again for coming on the show. I thought that was, I just had a great time in that interview. He's a, he's a great great person we're gonna have him back on once his uh book paralysis assassin I, i'm blanking on the 
the uh, subtitle, but uh, we'll we'll have a picture of it up and and the link on on the podcast notes. And he said it should be available later this summer, so that'll be great. Um, I you know I definitely recommend anybody get that. And Brandon uh, went ahead and opened up the the door here, so that he thought maybe the the background noise of a uh, of a semi hurricane would. Uh, would be equal to the beautiful sounds coming from Dustin's uh, microphone uh, in Hawaii, but I don't think it works. No, we we closed it. I didn't. It was just uh, like you said, just more wind. But I like it the was traumatizing. I uh, yeah, I like I like uh, you know me, Jay and, and Ricardo. I I do appreciate a, a holistic approach to healing in in a mind, body, and spirit type of way, and so. Um, but also, you know, taking away from, like he mentions, you know, stepping away from the Western philosophy yeah. a lot um, and more into an Eastern style um, of, of healing, which um, I think can be beneficial because it does focus a little bit more on, um, you know, your mind and your spirit and then also some different techniques of healing that aren't traditional. Yeah, well, you know, what I kind of got out of this was his injury led to like a rebirth, right? And I think a lot of people talk about that a little bit, right? But he actually had this physical rebirth, right? Where he was like using his breath, the one thing he had control over, right? Because he didn't have any control over his body at the beginning. But he was using that to mentally make all those connections inside his body. Like learning, you know, instead of learn live to walk again he was living to crawl again first right? right he mentally had gone through all those exercises and me- mechanics to make himself move again even no matter how painful it was whether he got cut scraped you know torn up but he was going to do it just like a baby would do right yeah you know learn to live and walk again and that's that's what's pretty incredible the the um, fortitude and the willpower that you have to have to do right. something like that well on uh on Dustin's Instagram, I found a post that I thought was pretty cool, and it touched on that. But he called it the spinal cord in journey. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. I talked about and that. Then, in the podcast. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. but I'm saying on on yeah. number ten, what you call is um, his resurrection. So come oh. right. So that must be that step in the process in right. the journey. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's interesting, and I, I I love that the the or it's spiritual cord in journey is what he. You're right, spiritual cord, spiritual cord in journey. The SCI, we yeah. gotta change that, man. Yeah. I love that. I do yeah. too. I think I thought that was I thought that was incredible. Like that, that's that. As soon as I saw that, is when I was like, I'm messaging this guy and seeing if I can get him on, and uh, he was yeah like the graciousness he has to, to come on and kind of sh- share his story and, you know, the program that he's putting together in Hawaii where, you know, getting people out there to get, um, you know, to work with him and to get um, Chinese medicine treatments, uh, massage, yoga, all these different things that, that he feels are, are very center-centric to his recovery. Right. Getting people, you know, on that same kind of mission and obviously, no spinal cord injury is the same. No, no, everybody's not going to have the same results as Dustin had. Uh, but it, it's great that it's a it's a great 
option to i mean because who couldn't use a trip to hawaii for a month to go go rehab and and you know take it yeah, as long as the airlines and, could accommodate people yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right <laughs> too bad. airlines do better um yeah, I, I, the one thing I did uh, that I wanted to make sure to ask him was about the doctors and nurses and how what their attitude was like towards his recovery when he was leaving the hospital. Because obviously, you know, six, nine months, whatever he said it was later that he was finally able to kind of get up with the help of, um, you know, with walkers and, and crutches and whatnot to where he is now being able to climb mountains, essentially. I wanted to know what their attitude was towards his, his recovery because generally they're, you know, like, oh, you're in a wheelchair, you're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, blah, blah, blah. And he said they gave him basically that same speech, which is, I mean, just goes to show you that well, it's like they a don't pl- know the everything. placebo effect, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, you know, you just don't know. Um, you know, everybody's different. And, you know, uh, Angela Rockwood's a good example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, she was like, no, I'm not going to sit in a motorized wheelchair. Give me a damn manual wheelchair because I'm mm. going to make this work. Mm. Right. You know? Do you ever do you ever think back, Jay, and just because I was thinking about this on my drive over, like, he was a I don't know. How old was he when this happened? I'm not sure. Okay. I forgot that. But he wasn't like 17 or 18 years old. You know, what you know when you're a little bit older and what what your brain's capable of allowing yourself to believe. Right. Because of what you've learned in your experiences is a lot different than when you're 17 or 18. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, a lot of things have changed in 24 years or whatever. But maybe not even, like, that stuff's been around for centuries right this this type of um you know ancient medicines like or yoga, like yoga yeah, and all that stuff but like we just didn't stuff. have any um awareness awareness of it yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know if that would have been available to a even if it was available to an 18 year old kid like how likely are they to because sometimes I feel like when I'm like talking to my kids, like, oh, you got to, you know, think positive. You got to think you're going to win or you have to be kind today. Like, I feel like I'm just saying these things that one day, hopefully it will register. So, you know, it may not. It's just not for everyone. Like you're saying, Ricardo, the nurses just don't understand, do you know, because they haven't lived that type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And I, you had a good point there. He was a little older. Yeah. It sounds like. And he had some training um, yes. in this uh, type of thinking and this type of mindset. So that probably helped him a lot is, or is helping him a lot. Right. And now he wants to pass that on to others, which is kind of the best way to live your life. Right. Mm. Is to take what you know and pass it on to somebody else. Right. To either heal them or let them help them heal other people. Right. You know. Which was great. And, and don't, you know, I think there was another message in there was like, don't, don't turn down help, right? Yeah. Don't, don't turn down help that helps you, you know, but don't expect people to do everything for you too. If you're capable of doing it, even though it's do hard, it. do it, you know, yeah. because that's going to make you stronger. Mm. You know? Well, I mean, and like you look at it, like, I don't care if he can walk now or not, like, six months after whatever six weeks or whatever he said it was after his injury to be living on the freaking beach homeless basically with all of his stuff just in his car 
Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. like the resiliency of that guy is hmm. impressive to me. So, um, yeah, I, I was I was blown away. I thought, you know, he's, he's a great guy, great story, great, you know, attitude, like energy, Absolutely. all of that. So, yeah, we, we definitely salute Yeah, well, him. we're definitely happy that he's sharing the message. Yeah, and looking to, to help people, like Ricardo said. Yeah, and and I don't think it's just limited to people with uh, disabilities. I think it, you know, no, this, this, this is could help this transcends that, for sure. Yeah, that uh, get older, that maybe have other neurological diseases. Yeah, you know, you know, or just go. I mean, just like t- regular people living life. You know, like yeah. it's yeah, it, it's uh, everybody's got their own their own problems, their own journey that they're on and and yeah like if you know i mean i think that that these the story like dustin's story is relatable to to a lot of people regardless of of what kind of injury you have or if you even have an injury at this point um so yeah i i think uh, yeah i always am so like in awe of these people like for being willing to come on and tell their stories i'm like i mean i've i told mine on the podcast before and and he actually asked me about that when we were like before we started either before or after the interview and so we talked about about my story a little bit too and you know it's just everybody's got everybody's doing things and everybody you know you have your own your own trail that you're on but it's you know like the the community of this spinal cord injury thing and the and the greater community above that that helps us you know is, is so great and and uh, we spoke a little bit too um, off air about uh, like what it's like now compared to, you know, I was telling him, I'm like in 98, when I got injured, like, we didn't have MySpace at that point, man. Yeah, there, was, yeah. there was no uh, social media. There was no, you know, no sense of community. Like the only people I knew that were in wheelchairs were people I met at the hospital mm-hmm. when I was in rehab. You know what I mean? Like my tutor or my, um, like there was like a, a counselor whatever like sure. peer counselor that i talked to that was in a wheelchair or it was like somebody you know was like jeremy i know this person you got to meet them right right so yeah which there, happened there a was few no times. way though for me to like link up with other people that, that had spinal cord it's injuries, cool man uh, individually you know without somebody you know running interference or whatever so yeah i, I think that that we've come a long way and, and there's a long way to go but um with the help of people like dustin and and all the all the people in the community, Jesse Strawham from a couple of weeks ago, all, all, you know, it's it's a, uh, I think things are moving in the right direction. For sure. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, I'm always impressed with the people that you interview, Jeremy, and um, like you said, you know, you sometimes wonder why, but you shouldn't wonder why because you're pretty incredible to pull this all together. Uh, I appreciate Seriously, that. you are. I mean, it's 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 a it's an honor to do this with you, and to um, listen to these people's stories. So. Yeah, I mean, I it's an honor for me to do it, and yeah, I appreciate the kind words, Ricardo. But well, no, because you're uh, you're spreading this this out there, and where other people wouldn't know. Like you know, you don't want to have somebody locked in a closet not knowing, right? Right. And sharing this out there, so. Uh, exactly. But yeah, well, hey, let's uh, wrap this one up. We, I want to thank Dustin again, and and like I said, we you know, watch for the book coming out this summer, and we will uh, definitely have him back on the show to, to talk a little more about that once uh, he gets all the clearances and whatnot, and the the book hits the hits the stores. So, 
until uh, next time, guys. Yeah, Thank next you. time, uh, maybe you can turn the heat up in this place. Jeez. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, yeah, please uh, listen, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the support. And uh, until next time, have a great week. Yep.